Welcome to uh, <coughs> Rating Your Dating While Waiting for Mating, a series we've been, uh, we started last week. Uh, we're continuing it on with, with it today. Uh, before we get too much farther, I need to make a couple disclaimers. One is that the, this and the couple following services are rated M for mature. If you have children who have not had the SEX chat, you may not want them to be a part of this uh, service. And if you get the weebie-jeebies about that, you might want to go down to, to kids' church as well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, as well, I did not come up with this idea all on my own. Um, there's a gentleman by the name of Ed Young. He wrote uh, the book. If you'd like to look it up, it's called Rating Your Dating While Waiting for Mating. Cool title. I figured I can't beat that, so I'm going to just join it. But Ed Young said at a conference I was at a couple uh, last year, he said, you know, God gave you eyes, so plagiarize. So uh, he's giving full license to copy and use his stuff. So th what we're going to share with you, that's where it comes from. And it comes from the Word of God, which... Uh, my wife was supposed to bring for me. I'm going to go find that while you're watching this video. Ferrari 458 Itali Italia Spider. That is a sweet car. Sweet, sweet car. If, if any of us, well, if I, if any of you know somebody who has one, Deb Bunting, um, please pull some strings. I want to sit in one. Um, amazing, amazing car. You're like, what does a Ferrari have to do with dating? What does a Ferrari have to do with church? For, you know, what, what's, what is that all about? Um, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about how God wants us to have Ferrari-level relationships. That's not a normal car. That, that, that adventure ride, like, if you could get to do that, I mean, that looks like a lot of fun. That's what marriage is supposed to look like. That's what it's supposed to uh, feel like. There's supposed to be that adventure, that passion, that fun. But, uh, you know, oftentimes there's not a lot of that. And people sometimes don't realize either that you are a Ferrari. If, if you were a car... You would be a Ferrari. You wouldn't be like a minivan. You wouldn't be a Civic. You wouldn't be a Harley. You'd be a Ferrari. I mean, man, 
Come on, I could buy six Harleys with that Ferrari. <laughs> Dime a dozen. I'm just, I'm saying that there's something special about that car. There's something special about it. And you know what? It gives us something to be able to compare to uh, and, and to, to, to just relate to it. And that's what this whole session is about. We want to rate the way that we date so that we pick the right mate. And you think, well, I'm already married. Grandparents, parents, other parents uh, in the church here, if you know singles or, you know, single adults who are thinking about this, you have a huge influence and impact on who they choose by some of the things you say and some of the things you don't say. So as we share some of this stuff, there's going to be time in your life, maybe you got young kids, they're going to ask you, you know, questions like, so how do you know when you're in love? What are you going to tell them? What was that? Uh, how do you know you're? How do you know when you're in love, Beth? What would you tell him? Well, you'll just know. You'll just know. I hope that most of you are, you know, would have a, a better answer than that. But sometimes you're like, I, I don't know what to answer. We want to help you to give the, the kind of answer, but not to say, hey, this is what you have to do or not do, but to understand how to do this thing called dating. Marriage is supposed to be forever. That's what you say when you're at the front. But we talked about last week, you look at the statistics. Uh, it's, not, it's not so good. What if I told you that at that intersection right down there, that 50% of the cars that go through it crash and there's fatalities? 50%. How many of you are saying, I'm not driving through that intersection after church? No, because 50% of them are, are crashing and burning. Well, it's the same thing with marriage. In our country, marriage, 50% of the first-time marriages end up in a wreck. We got 72% of those who decide to try it again, they end up in the ditch. Third time, strike three, 85% of third-time marriages crash and burn. So you'd think that we would learn by experience, but we don't. We're not getting better at this thing called spouse selection. And it's crazy how huge this really is. I learned about it personally this week. There are people looking for Mr. Right everywhere. There are people looking for Ms. Perfect everywhere. I talked to a lady this week. She has a frog that lives on her second-story balcony. She's kicked it off, shooed it away, tried getting rid of it for a while now, and it keeps coming back. So she thought, maybe I should kiss it. Just in case. You never know. It could be Mr. Right. True person here today. I also, I, I also, I, I had my credit card hacked this week. I know. I know. All of a sudden I'm like, wait a second. You know, this, some of this stuff just doesn't seem right. And you know, you think if, if you hacked a credit card, I know you wouldn't because you're, you're above that, but if you hacked a credit card, you pro what would you buy? Sorry. Yeah, exactly! <laughs> exactly! You'd go buy a sweet ride. You'd go buy a sweet sound system. You'd go buy like a vacation or something like that. Do you know what the people who hacked my credit card bought? $867 worth of eHarmonyMatch.com um, uh, Anastasia Date in eHarmony UK, I mean, they're looking all over the world for the perfect person. I'm thinking, you know what? Our world is crazy. If they, 
It, it, this is a big deal, this finding the right person. You'll hack someone else's credit card. So, you know, I was actually, then I thought, oh, man, I hope it's not Beth, you know, using my credit card. Because <laughs> uh, I did forget her birthday this week, sort of. So, uh, I know, I, I know, shame. Hey, hey. I, yes, let's sing. Everyone needs compassion. <laughs> Love that. Never. Uh, we, it, it, we made up. We made up. But I realized that, you know, $1.56 billion has been spent on online dating this year so far. $1.56 billion. People want to find somebody. They want to know how to do it right. And of that $1.56 billion, 750 million of it are a complete waste of money because that 50% ain't going to make it. That's the real deal with the statistics of our country. You know what? Then the Bible comes along. You know, we got all these, we got all these things, dating websites, we got dating gurus, we got TV shows, we got movies, we got songs, all trying to explain how this thing called love works. And then this comes along. And, and I, I was saying last week that this is like a recall notice. It's saying, hey, you know, if, if, you, if you had a recall notice on your vehicle saying, hey, there's a defective part, it's not working. Smart people bring the car in and say, hey, fix the part. I don't want to kill somebody. We talked about that last week. You can get it. But the Bible is talking about a recall on a defective dating habits. Because, you know, marriage, God invented it. He invented marriage and he invented it as an analogy of what it's supposed to look like with our relationship with God. Passion just fun, adventure, realness, intimacy, connectedness, togetherness. That's what he wants it to look like. I don't think he's real excited about the way marriage portrays that relationship with, with God. Marriage isn't supposed to be about rules. Neither is our faith. I read a cool book this week that said this statement. If we would truly be motivated by love, then all the rules become redundant. If we would live our lives motivated by love, we don't need rules. When Beth and I got married, we weren't at the altar saying, Beth, I promise that if I'm going to be late for dinner, I'm going to call you. And if I'm going to be two hours late for dinner, then I'll call you twice. And, and go through all the lists. No, because as a person who thinks about the other person, others motivated, you just think about those things. You think, you know what? It probably would put her out if, if I didn't call home and let her know that I'm going to be late with her birthday present. You know, so you, you, you make the call. God's design is that we would have high-quality relationships, Ferrari-level relationships, and I want our kids to grow up to see that as well. But there's some defective dating habits that we do as a culture that I want to draw your attention to. Number one, we talked about last week, spent a whole session on it. The number one thing that defective daters do that need a recall notice on their the way they date is that they fail to check out who is driving the Ferrari. They fail to check out who's really controlling the, the direction and the life of the person. Yeah. They forget to check. That's number two. But you find out you're a Ferrari when you give God the keys. The second one is this. The second most important dumb thing that people do with dating is this. They fail to wait until they have a license to date. I remember when I started driving. I was 15 years old. My dad was teaching me how to drive in the church parking lot in St. Catharines. He took me out. He said, hey, you know, you're going to be 16 soon. You probably should be a little bit comfortable with driving a minivan, so let's go and drive. So we start driving around the parking lot. I'm going seven kilometers an hour, and I'm thinking, man, I'm awesome. It's super dark. Nobody can see me, but I'm awesome. Two weeks later, I thought, you know, 
wow, I know how to drive. So I took all my siblings after church and we hopped in to the, to the minivan and we started to make that drive all the way around the parking lot. And it's a big parking lot. Well, I had done a few laps and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And as I'm driving down the road, all of a sudden I see this man coming towards me. It's my dad. And he doesn't look quite as excited as I do about the fact that I'm driving. Dad came to the window, knocked on the glass, said, what do you think you're doing? He wasn't really asking. He, he knew. Uh, he knew that I knew. That, that was not a, good, not a good question. He's like, okay, get in the back. It was an hour-long drive home as I sat there going, oh, man, I did a bad thing. I did a bad thing. My brothers and sisters, you did a bad thing. You know? I, I get all the way home, 15 years old. I got the worst spanking of my life. Yeah, 15, over his knee with the strap. Yeah, I know. And I thought, how embarrassing. But you know what I realized? That's a pretty small consequence to what could happen uh, otherwise. My friend didn't get the strap, and three weeks after this happened, took out his mom's car during church and crashed it during the service. Are all your teenagers here? Just might want to check. <laughs> he went on, single mom, couldn't afford to have a car accident, went through all kinds of crazy stuff as a result of it. That's a much more negative consequence than mine. I also realized that, you know, I looked it up online. Do you, re do you realize that in I can only find stats for 2006, but in 2006, do you realize that 1,067 people died as a result of drivers driving under age five? Yeah, under the age of five, 167 people died, or 1,067 people died in 2006. That was just under the age of five. There was less people killed between the ages of, of six and 11, just about 1,000. And there was 1,500 who were killed between the ages of 12 and, and uh, 15. Why? Because people driving under the age. We had it happen here not too long ago, this summer in Toronto. You probably know the story of the police officer who was dragged by his arm because of an underage driver. Do you know what? The consequences can be huge. Let me say this because it's so important that there's so many young people who don't wait long enough until they actually have a license to date and they start dating too early in life. And you know what? You set yourself up for an incredible potential to crash your relationships. They don't hand out dating licenses at the Ministry of Transportation. I want to ask just so I'd have something to show you, but they don't have them. So how do you know when you're ready to start the dating engine? Well, we talked about it last week. Dating is for the purpose of marriage. Dating, we describe, dating, courtship, whatever you want to call it, is everything that you do and don't do before you say, I do. That whole thing is for the purpose of marriage. So I'd like to say to you, if you're not within the age range of about a year of when you could actually get married, you're probably driving and dating without a license. The teens are like, what are you talking about? This is ruining my life. Hope my parents didn't hear that. You know, Song of Solomon says it this. It's not Mark. It's, it's the Bible. Check this out. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 7. This is the wisest man in the world talking to you. He said, well, he wrote this thing. It says, Promise me, O women of Jerusalem, by the swift gazelle and the deer of the wild, not to wake in love until the time is right. The message version says it this way. Don't excite love. Don't stir it up until the time is ripe and ready. Until you're ready to be able to get married, don't even start the dating engine. The word love here is not like, oh, the little feelings of love. It's, it's that sexual uh, 
energy, the chemicals. I know, he said sex in church. Unbelievable. Get used to it. He said, yeah. He said, don't start the engine. Don't go vroom, 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 until you're ready to drive down the aisle and say I do and commit. Don't start dating until you're ready to get married. And if you're 15, you're not ready to get married. Just putting it out there. Well, the young people, it's, it's just fun. It's harmless. Everybody's doing it. You know, that's what your peers, that's what TV, that's what movies, that's what all the popular culture around us is telling our teenagers. And maybe that's what you think and you believe. The problem is the stats and the lives of people that I get to talk to do not mesh up with those feelings and those thoughts. The problem with dating all your way through high school and thinking, oh, it's all good, is it teaches you things like this. Relationships are disposable. Date and dump. Date and dump. I know one girl, she's like, I got dumped. Not a couple weeks later, she decides to start dating the same guy again. I'm thinking, okay, how smart are you? You know, fool you once, it's shame on, shame on them, but fool you twice. You know why she was dating? She dated until she just got him close enough, and then she dumped his story, but let him know what it feels like. I'm thinking, are you serious? Are you for real? We're using relationships as ammo? Guess what, teenagers, when you're doing that, you are teaching yourself something. You're teaching yourself subconsciously that relationships are disposable. The teen sexual activity rates are rising like crazy in North America. They say that, you know, I saw the stats that the actual intercourse, that's going down. But it's because they're experimenting with all kinds of other stuff they're learning about. And it's just as dangerous. Just because you don't get pregnant from oral sex doesn't mean it's not changing you. It's not doing something in your life that, you, that you're not going to pay for later. But our, our culture says that, that all that stuff, that's okay. It affects trust in marriage someday. You don't think so? I, it's hilarious. Not hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. I, I listen to people, and they're sitting there, and we're just talking about coffee. And you pop this question. Hey, so uh, how many girlfriends did, uh, did he have before he got married? And you just see it. Sparks and rise. And he had 40 girlfriends before he dated me. And you're like, come on now, we're adults, right? That's all in the past. Delete this from the CD. But my mom says things like that sometimes. And I'm like, I can't believe it. Mom, you've been married for however many years. But they never forget. They don't. You might be thinking they're going, I got it all cool, man. Play, I'm good, I'm good. No, someday I'll find the right one. She'll be so loving, so forgiving. She'll never think. They won't forget. It's worse when they know the people. But I'm saying they don't forget. And you know what? You're learning these kind of things. God's, I'm not, I'm not judging anybody this morning. I'm not saying, hey, this is guilt on you if you've chosen that path in life or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that it does detour your life and can, it can, creates potential for you to mess things up down the road. And I want to help you try and avoid that detour in life. God's plan is that marriage looks like that Ferrari racing down that road, having the time of its life. But you know what? The enemy gets young people to date way too early. And because of that, they sacrifice their whole married life, which is years and years. And for some of you, years and years. You sacrifice all of that for a couple of years of what you think is so-called fun. Everybody's doing it. Nobody's getting hurt. And they pay, some pay for it for the rest of their lives. They never get marriage on track. Marriage never looks anything like that. Why? Because they traded it all too early. 
And parents, sometimes we're the ones to blame. Kids turning 12. Oh, I was hanging out with so-and-so. That's so cute. Oh, I can't believe they're probably going to get married someday. We're going to be in-laws, you know? It's like, and our kids are listening to this. And they put things in there like, Mark, you're super harsh. I'm just saying. It's affecting us more than we know, and I think we need to talk about it. You know, as a counselor and other counselors, they never hear things like this. Man, I wish my wife had just had sex with a couple more guys before we, I married her. Then my marriage would probably be a whole lot better. They, they, they don't say that. Girls, they, they never say, if my, if my husband had just dated a few more women, then all of our problems would be solved. He would have got it out of his system, and we'd be a whole lot better. They never say things like that. So you think that all the, that all the playing is not going to have any, any payment. It will. And parents, grandparents, you can help your kids. When, they, when everything in society, everything in their school, everything in the music they're listening to is telling them, rush, 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 rush. Last week we talked about that. The enemy's greatest agenda is that to get people who aren't married to have as much sex as possible and people who are married to have as little sex as possible. That's his agenda. And he's pushing that on our teens and they need parents and grandparents to stand up and say, you know what? going to help you out. Let's talk. I don't want you to mess up. So I'm going to put some things in place for you. I want to help you. I want your life to be amazing. So, you know, maybe we're going to have this conversation of, you know, I don't think you should date until you're 18. My parents did that with me. I didn't always like it. They would pick up the phone sometimes and say, hey, uh, what's your intentions with my son? Well, while I was talking to these people, and they realized, you know what? And I was mad mad. I'm like, come on, dad. Everybody's going out. Where are they going? Nowhere. They're just going out. You know, I want to just go out. Is that dating? Uh, well, sort of. Well, I don't want you dating until you're 18. You may not understand me, but you will thank me later. And guess what? I thank them later. I have the most amazing wife. Our relationship is incredible. I love her more now than the day that I married her. I might be forgetful of some things, but I remember others. I remember that you know, when I married her, I, I, you know, there was things as we grew, and I realized that when I watch her now and the passion she has for God and the love that she has for the Word and the amazing mom that she is to our three kids, and, and, and there's just such an overwhelming uh, thought of who this amazing woman is that I get to spend the rest of my life with. And we sit and often we chat about it and say, hey, how come? How come we don't seem to have the same kind of struggles others have? I'll tell you, my parents helped me out with that way back when. Parents, can we stand up and be brave enough to have some important conversations with our kids for their good? Just saying. Number, where are we? Let's do it. Defective daters. Another defective habit is that they, uh, they, they pay too much attention or have the showroom mentality. The showroom mentality. They, they only focus on a few features and they don't get the essence of the whole vehicle. You know, they, they check out the back end of the car. Or, or, they, or they check out the headlights. Or it's the sound system. Or it's the grill that they're all excited about. But they don't check out the whole essence of the vehicle. It would look like this. It'd be like somebody, you know, finding a car and being like, <gasps> Ferrari. Oh, she's so beautiful. I can't believe it. You know what? She is rocking my world. She's amazing. Just look at this beauty. Unbelievable. She just might be the one. I can't wait to take this hot young woman home to meet my parents. And then they fail to see the rest of the picture. Whoa, no wonder she's so hot. 
They focus on features and they miss the essence of the whole vehicle that they're hooking up with. Do you know what? It's how our car business, our automobile business works. You go to the dealership and they're like, hey, here's a bottle of water. Come sit with me. Hey, check out this car. And the lights are shining just perfectly to make it glisten and gleam. It's smooth and sleek. And it's like, oh man, you're sitting and they're like, whoa. All of a sudden they got three people. Wow, unbelievable. We've had 50 people sit in that car and you look the best. Uh, you were made for that car. You're like, yeah, I was made for this car. And, and if they get you in that mode pretty soon, they know that within 24 hours, you will drive out of that dealership in a brand new vehicle. And after you leave the parking lot, all of a sudden you're like, oh, what? What did I do? I was looking at the paint job. And I didn't think about the insurance. I was looking at the rims and I didn't think about the car seats. How am I going to have kids in a Ferrari? You know, how? Not have them there. Take them around, you know. <laughs> drive them around how am i we don't think about maintenance we don't think about depreciation we don't think about any of that stuff but those features were kind of nice surely we don't do that with dating sure we don't do that with dating first samuel chapter four it says this back to the recall notice definitely not going to get done today that's okay first samuel four verse seven says this no that's not it Is it 6 verse 7? Never mind. It's in there. 1 Samuel. You probably, that's weird. No, that's not it. Um, it. It goes something like this. It says, men, look at the outward appearance. Don't look at their outward appearance. God was telling, telling uh, Samuel, he says, hey, when you're picking a king, when you're picking the man who's going to lead the people, he says, don't look at outward appearance. Men, look at the outward appearance. But God, he's looking at the heart. He's looking at the heart. And you know what? He wants us to do the same thing, to do it His way, to be led by His Holy Spirit, to be intoxicated by Holy Spirit, to look past just the features and get the essence of the vehicle. That Holy Spirit would give you discernment in who you're choosing to spend the rest of your life with. I want to challenge you that you have to date the person long enough for the shine to wear off. Some people get married way too quickly. They find features and they like it, so they decide they're going to get married. But you know what? You need to date them long enough. Because every car is, has door dings. Every car has got some, you know, scuff marks, some rust spots. No car is perfect. No person is perfect. I remember buying my Dodge Dakota. I loved that truck. I went to the dealership. I saw it. Sleek, silver, I mean, shiny chrome uh, step bars. And it had, you know, I put Euro lights on it. I put the cool head and tail lights. I put street glow on this thing. I had a sound system, the ton of cover. It was a sweet, sweet ride. Delicious. I, I love that truck. And I thought, you know what? This thing's amazing. I'm going to drive this thing forever. I'm going to keep it forever. It's amazing. But after a while, the shine wore off. I had to drive it back and forth to my duck barn, which is extremely stinky. Pretty soon, I'd walk into it from my house, and it smelled just like the duck barn. I was like, mm, you know, I don't know if I like this thing so much anymore. Maybe I should trade it. Then the government made up my mind when they raised the price of gas to a buck thirty a liter, and I was filling it up, and I'm like, a hundred bucks? It's still going. A hundred and fifty bucks, and it's still going. I'm like. This thing's a pig on fuel. And the shine had worn off. I didn't want that thing anymore. Do you hear that? 
A pig? For real? Proverbs chapter 11. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. What if you drove a Ferrari around with the hood up and the doors open, advertising everything, just letting everybody see what's inside the Ferrari? You, you, you wouldn't do that. But what I want to challenge you with is people that focus on features, what you advertise is what you attract. If guys, ladies, if guys are following you around like, whoa, she's got the head up, she's got the doors open, oh man, this girl's so smoking hot. You don't want that kind of guy following you around. You don't. But you know what? What is it about our culture? What's the catchphrase for women these days? Everything is sexy. Sexy everything. You know, that's a sexy hairstyle. That is a sexy purse. Wow, those are some sexy shoes. Let's go on a sexy vacation. You know, that perfume is just so sexy. Sexy, sexy, sexy everything. Our teen girls read it. They find out, you know what? The Bible is all for being sexy in marriage. He's not, God's not saying, hey, women, put on some burlap sacks. <laughs> there's, there's, till you're married, yeah. He's, he's saying that our faith and our fashion got to meet somewhere. It's all for being fashionable, but if you're under the influence of Holy Spirit, He's going to help you understand when you're attracting negative attention. He'll help you understand what the motive of your heart is and for some of the things that you wear. First Peter chapter 3, it says it this way. Love this. Love this. He's saying, man, I didn't know God talked about stuff like this. I'd have read my Bible a whole lot more if I knew that. First Peter chapter 3, it says this. Don't be concerned about the outward beauty talking to women. He's saying about your fancy hairstyles, about expensive jewelry or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourselves instead with the beauty that comes from within. The unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. You know, modest is hottest when it comes to God. He says, use the beauty that's from the inside. Because you know what? A lot of women, you don't realize what it does to men when you're advertising everything. Some of you might know, but most of you, I think you probably don't. It just starts the eros engine in men. There's two kinds of love that are mentioned in the Bible. Or, or uh, eros is one of them. Eros, the actual Greek word eros, is not in the Bible. But the, the idea of it is there. It's that sexual kind of love. It's that vroom, vroom, vroom. The chemical, the energy, the attraction. The, God's all about that. He invented you with it says in 1 Corinthians, it talks about it's better to get married than to burn with that kind of passion. It says, if you, but if you base your dating relationship on that kind of love, you base the way you date on vroom, vroom, instead of on unconditional love, guess what? Guarantee you, you're probably going to marry the wrong person. Why? Because vroom, vroom kind of love says, let's hop in the back seat. And when you're in the backseat making love before marriage, you fog up the windshield. And you have no idea where you're going after that. 
God's a genius when he says, hey, wait, wait, wait until you figure it out because there's another kind of love. It's called agape. It's God's kind of love. It's unconditional. It's a love that is committed. Committed. You know that, that chemical love, that eros love? It'll last maybe six to nine months. That attraction, that kind of thing, that's about how long it lasts. After that, you find out if there's any more substance than that. The shine's worn off. You find out, is this person committed? Do they have what it takes to be faithful in a relationship? It doesn't matter how hot they are. It doesn't matter how much money they have. All those things that attract you, it will wear off. That's why it says, you know, so many people base their relating, dating relationships on eros, on the vroom vroom, on the, on the feelings, on the chemicals. Some Christians think that it's the woman's job to make sure that men aren't sinning with their eyes. I hear that all the time. I, you know, I hear preachers put that on women. I think, you know what? That's not what I'm saying at all. Women, in the way you dress, that your responsibility for men's eyes, that's not really yours. The Bible doesn't say that. Men, it says you be responsible with your eyes. You're the one, you are the one who gets to control your eyes. You control them. Just because she walks by doesn't mean you have to take three, four, five looks. Or one or two. I'm just saying that that's our responsibility as men. Women, I'm telling you this for your sake. So many girls wonder, why do these guys only want sex? And when they don't get it, they leave. If you advertise with that kind of bait, those are the kind of fish you catch. It's time to close the hood. It's time to shut the doors. It's time to say, hey, there's a whole lot more to me than just what you see. There's an inner beauty. There's a value. I'm God's kid. I'm something special, and you're lucky to have me. Believing that about yourself Allowing that to, to be what happens. God wants you to experience a love that lasts forever. Eros bait, the eros love, that won't catch you a forever man. That kind of room room love won't catch you a forever woman. It's based on outward appearance. And that's the problem. Because when you married him, he had a six-pack. Now, he has a spare tire. You know, she had a smooth paint job. Now she's got some hail damage. And, uh... You know, it's like, I, I'm just saying, let's just be honest. We only, hey, we only look our best for about five years. Really. You know, you see people who get, who start everything on this eros and this outward experience. That is, it, what ends up happening is now you got to keep that up. Now, now it's like you got to go in at 30,000 miles for, you know, a new paint job spray tan you know or you got to go in at 50,000 for some new upholstery you know or get halogen headlights or get a lift kit or something you know they got to keep getting stuff done because they got to keep the people do you know what we we have way way too much focus on that you know I love movies there's that movie where these two oh where they just grow old together what is that movie notebook thank you where are, best movie, where are these kind of relationships where these people grow old together? She's all wrinkly and saggy, but he loves her. He can't barely see, but he loves her. They have this incredible forever love that 50% of our people aren't getting to experience. I don't know about you, but I want that for me. I want that to be the relationship with Beth that we're so old we can barely hold hands, but we are in love. Why? Because it's committed, because it lasts, because it's there. Defective daters base way too much of that on the outward appearance. I tell you, the relationships that are built on eros, 
Those are the guys who trade the old 50 in for two new 25s. Why? Because it's based on outward appearance. And girls, you have the chance to change how they choose you. Defective daters focus way too much on the showroom mentality. We are out of time. Rats, because the next one's awesome. Next week, next week, no, we got turkey dinners waiting for us. Next week, we are going to talk about another thing that defective daters fail to do, and it's they fail to check out the junk in the trunk. And it's not what you're thinking about. Get your minds out the ghetto. <laughs> defective daters fail, number one, to check out who's driving the vehicle. Is that person a Ferrari that Jesus is driving? Because if it's not, you're going to have some trouble. Get the CD from last week. Was it worth it last week? Yeah, worth listening to. Yeah, definitely get that number. The second thing that defective daters do is they fail to wait until they have a license to drive. Maybe you're dating right now. God's recall notice to you is if you're not ready to get married, just stop dating. You will do yourself some huge, huge favors in the future. The rest of your married life can be amazing if you'll answer the recall notice third thing they have the showroom mentality and they focus just too much on outward appearance and those kind of things and because of it we got 50% of relationships crashing and burning I want better for our next generation I want to change the statistics I believe it starts one marriage one family one church at a time are you with me let's pray father thank you for your word thank you that it's relevant to our everyday life God, thanks for inventing things like sex. Thanks for inventing things like marriage and that close relationship that we can have. God, I just pray that we would use it for the purpose that you want us to, that we would use it for good and not for evil. God, I pray your protection over every young person here this morning. As they're listening to these things, I pray that these seeds would be planted in their heart, that they would grow, that they'd realize that, that, that there's such an inner beauty in them that they can allow that to, to come out, God, and that there would be a, a, a sense of, just being filled by your spirit, being led by your spirit in this very real part of life. God, I, I just want to say thank you for, for the life that we have. Thank you for the, the, the chance that we have to be a family and just be together and hang out and spend time. Lord, I pray that as we go to be with our families today, that we'd be an encouragement to them, that we'd be a light in, in a dark place, that we would uh, just be able to, to bring your hope, your joy, your peace, and your love into our environment this week. God, thank you that you live in us. The church is just starting now as we leave this place. It's in your name we pray. Amen.